This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, wind up your cell phones, everybody! Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kinda like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a continuation of our conversation around comedy records. This week we're going to talk about musical comedy records. There's just a, a lot of ground to cover there. We couldn't possibly squeeze it all into our previous show. So here we are coming back for more, but with music behind it this time. All right. Uh, as always, uh, we want to grow the show. Uh, numbers have been dropping because of COVID, because none of you are listening to podcasts. So, you know, help us out. Spread the word. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it on your social feeds. Uh, and you can always check out uh, earlier episodes of our show if you go to our website. Which is maghuge.com, M A G H U G E.com. That's just like our Twitter handle, which is at maghuge. On Facebook, we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast. You can find us there. We're on Instagram. And you can always email us comments or show ideas at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. All right, everybody, get ready for some mad music and crazy comedy. It's not the Dr. Demento Show. It's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is I think we started now. Yes. Did we? We did. Everybody's Magnificently Huge Podcast. Whoa. The morning zoo, clanky clankies, noise machines. the thing, Yeah. And we're recording from the science fiction movie Locked in Your House. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm in Arizona. There's nothing going on here at all. There is absolutely no sign whatsoever that there is a yeah pandemic of <sighs> any yeah. sort in Arizona. For, yeah. For the record, it's uh it's Sol seventy five, and uh, everybody's just decided that the pandemic is over. Hooray! We won. Sol seventy five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you a, lost me on that reference. Is that a book from the Bible? No, that's uh that's how they count the days in the movie The Martian. Instead of a day, it's a Sol. Oh, okay. Oh. It's not a real okay. joke. It's just a. It's a never. I I I saw that Will Hunting was in it and didn't bother seeing it. It's actually a very good movie. It's actually a very good movie. So you know, whatever. It is a good movie. It's true. <laughs> there, take that, Eric. <laughs> okay, yeah. I took it. So uh, that guy over there, that's Eric, and he just took it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The guy dishing it out. That was Chris, and my name is Brian. This is the Magnificently Huge Podcast. It's a Sunday. We're yeah. complaining about things. Eh, yeah. What what else are we gonna do? You know? What um, else? I, I think we could talk about uh movies we've seen, like like The Martian or something in a segment we call the fresh shit. Oh, I was waiting for it. This shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is real. 
I've moved back to Rick and Morty because uh, I, I bought the season, so I'm only getting them once a week, which is like not the way to watch TV. That's how animals or poor people watch TV. You should really? you, you binge on the whole thing at once. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm still not uh, on the binge wagon. It's hard for me to do, honestly. I get through like maybe two episodes and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this away. I'm done. Yeah, but I want the option because I like get to the end of one and then I go, oh, more. Yeah. More! I need to I need to stuff more cartoon candy into my <laughs> nosh hole. More. Yeah. Well, in all fairness, the Rick and Morty, the new season is quite quite good. They've had a number of solid episodes, uh, yeah. so far. But the, I uh, think I finally I've, watched a few of them. I've I've watched up through the heist episode. <laughs> yeah, the heist episode back. is genius. You son of a bitch! I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but my my favorite episode this season, and maybe my favoriteest episode. Of them all, I think it's even better than Pickle Rick. Is the one with the vat of acid, the new the that latest is one, yeah. the trickiest, like like best sort of emotional rug pull of yeah. any of the episodes. Yeah. Well, the beauty of that one too, and they actually uh, make a joke out of it, is that it's it's ripped off of the final Futurama episode uh, with the like the pause button, and Rick actually calls uh-huh. Morty out on it. And then yeah. if you if you watch that episode, it's literally almost. And maybe not structurally the same, but there are so many elements, and it's Justin Roiland sort of giving a tip of the hat because that's one of their main influences. <laughs> so it becomes this like, huge metal meta joke. Quite funny. What's funny on on if you watch it on Amazon Prime is when you get to the end of the episode, then because there's nothing after it for the next week until the next one comes out. But the next thing it offers to to you is Futurama. <laughs> nice, <laughs> like like right out of that. You know, yeah. that reference, it's like, and now, but, yeah. uh, yeah, loving that show. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think, I think I figured out the magic of that show is it's basically, okay, every sci-fi thing you've ever seen where the, 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 the gadget or the, the trick, the, the whatever, it's like, we're going to do that right up front. Every, everything is possible. There's nothing cool about any of this shit. Yeah. And it's. It 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 lets you focus on the story. Strangely enough, they'll yeah. just they'll just give you the science fiction moment and say fuck it. Yeah. Well, I like that structurally. It's sort of uh, Back to the Future, Doc and Marty fused with the like the open ended Futurama because you can literally mm. go anywhere and do anything. So yeah, I enjoy that. I, yeah, I always figure it's more like Doctor Who if Doctor Who assumed that the audience was smart enough to understand this stuff. <laughs> yeah, because here they're just cynical. like, here's everything, and we're not going to slow down for you. Figure it out. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. But I have uh, gone back and watched a few of the older episodes as well. So the other night I did watch the one with Unity, uh, where basically Rick fucks an entire planet because he's dating this uh, <laughs> ethereal <Yeah>. consciousness. <laughs> it's like, what in the hell? It is so dark, yet so goddamn funny. Uh, but great, like every episode show. is just like him fulfilling everything his potential etc becoming these amazing things and then being so jaded about it by the end like yeah whatever i listen i learned my lesson on that one fuck you yeah <laughs> it's like every episode but like, the, the show seems to consistently at least for the last couple of seasons largely be about how much it hates its own audience like the i think there's definitely an element of people want to be rick who really love this show and they're constantly saying yeah, but Rick's a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, Here that's, you go. 
you know? Well, that's the, the genius of it, is that the, the way the dynamic is set up with the two characters, uh, all of the, the toxic Gamergate fanboys love Rick, but they lose all of the, the lessons that you get from the fact that Rick is literally just uh, all ego. He's, yeah. he's the ego and the id. He's got no moral compass whatsoever, and that's what Morty's for. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> Rick learns the lesson, but he never admits to learning the lesson, and it's if so anything, hard to watch. It, it kind of says, "Yeah, you want to be Rick, but you are Morty yeah. because all of your your like sort of I don't know I, I I'm I'm the smartest person any of my friends know that that's unearned, <laughs> you know you're just yeah. an asshole. Well, the, I, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for Brian, but the Vat of Acid episode, literally one of the the themes of the show is that everything has consequences, even yeah. if you think it doesn't. And they do it in such a ball-slap way that it just... You did it all. <laughs> Feel it. Feel Man. that pain. Feel it. So, <laughs> it's oh, great. Jesus. But yeah, and then I followed that up with the, the rewatch of the Unity episode, and the end of that one is Rick just despondent because Unity broke up with him, and he devises <laughs> that device to kill himself, and then it fails at the last minute because he... <laughs> Like falls over on the desk right before the thing zaps him in the head. It's so dark. Oh my god. Yeah. Good uh, choice. Good choice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, still down with the Rick and Morty. And uh, I'm checking out. I was not a big fan of the uh, first uh, uh, Penny Dreadful, but I'm watching the second one, City of Angels, and I'm really digging it. Because okay. it is full of that uh, Day of the Dead. Uh, 1930s Hispanic sort of feel. It's it, it, it's hmm. really awesome. Uh, so far, I've you know only watched what the first episode, but I'm all in now. This was like a continuation, right? It's not the the same cast or anything. Right? There's one cast member. Uh, Rory Kinnear is in this, and he was okay. the Frankenstein creature. Yeah. Um, okay. But he's playing a different part. I guess it's like it's entirely possible that he's the same guy, but okay, because you know that guy doesn't die. Okay, <laughs> but Interesting. yeah, but uh, anyway, it's like, and let's see, um, yeah, and the, the cast is like, you know, a lot of people you don't really know, but yeah, it's just it's just they've they've done such an awesome job of recreating the 1930s. And mixing it with this scary Mexican voodoo kind of hmm. thing, I, I don't know. I'm I, 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 if the rest of the show is like this, I'm I'm really gonna love it. Do you know where the where the penny dreadful phrase comes from? Like the, why it's called that? Yeah, yeah. those um, sort of I don't know, like 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 National Enquirer like stories from way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. They were- and the, the they goth- literally sold them for a penny, and they were dreadful, yeah. and <laughs> and they told the all point. sorts of bullshit stories like this. The same way, yeah. wait, wait, what was the other one? Not the National Enquirer, but the uh, there was another Weekly one. World that had News. Weekly, World, Weekly News. World News had the real crazy shit. Yeah, <laughs> which one had Bat Boy? Alex Jones. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, I love that he calls this thing Infowars. Like it's literally a war on information. And a war on information. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a no- and nobody calls him out on that. And his family's like, "You guys are just dumb, bunch of mouth breathers." Jesus Christ! And I got some supplements for you. This is some, this is some vitamins that'll that'll make, give you a great singing voice, like I have. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, and he, he lives here in Austin where I reside. And I, I remember one time we were out to dinner with a friend at a restaurant. It was like brunch. And she's like, don't look now, but uh, Alex Jones is sitting on that table over there. So like, uh, like three or four tables down from us was Alex Jones on like a date or something. And it was all we could do not to walk over and just throw something on him. Uh, no, go <laughs> cough on him. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the new... Yeah the new angry thing to do i guess is cough on people mm. so yeah <laughs> that's, that's way too rick and morty passive aggressive murder yeah, yeah. it's excellent uh, uh so just we're pleasant uh, folks yeah so just just watching penny dreadful rick and morty hanging. yeah just 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 sort of oh oh and watch the 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 series finale of homeland and if you watch homeland i won't spoil it for you i will say this is the best series ending I've seen in a long time. They get it absolutely mm. right. The show could only end this way. Uh, and and anything more, I guess, positive or negative, I think, would have been out of character. Do we find out that Claire Danes is a robot? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin yes. it, but that's what I read. Right. And and Mandy Patinkin is a wizard. <laughs> yes. Wow. They... they <laughs> They really stretched that show out a bit. Then. Yeah, really. <laughs> like I, like I said, it 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 ends absolutely the way it needed to. Wow. Okay, so Chris, I don't ever intend to watch Homeland. Do you? Uh, I probably won't since it's a Showtime thing, and I have a thing with not paying so, for. Eric, spoil it for us. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> this shit is spoiled. Spoilers for Homeland. Well, okay, so uh, this season, there's a whole thing with the president got killed, and they have to find the flight recorder, and the Russians have it, and they won't give it up unless Carrie gets Saul to turn over his his spy inside the Kremlin, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and what she ends up doing is finding a way to figure out who the spy is and give it to the Russians. So the Russians turn over the black box so that a nuclear war doesn't start in Pakistan um, and has to betray Saul's trust to do it. And the whole time you're thinking, "Uh Oh, one of them is going to have to kill the other one. And then Carrie ends up in Moscow and ends up being Saul's new spy on the other side. She like gives up her whole life of being a spy and being an American and basically mm. pulls a Snowden, but at the same time becomes the new sort of person to find out about what the Russians are up to and doesn't nice. betray Saul's trust, but there isn't a sort of manufactured murder. Tanya wasn't as happy with it, my wife, but I was like, yeah, no, that's totally the way you have to do it. And cool. they can always do a Homeland <laughs> 2 if they can't, you know, get the same cast, so. Homeland Why did here. you want me to recap it? Were you, did you think I was right. lying that I didn't no, see it? I no, just, I, I was interested <laughs> in, I was interested in what a perfect ending to the yeah. show was, and I didn't want to have to watch it. Yeah, here's the oh. deal. Bri- Brian's the guy that always flips to the last page of the book before he fucking buys it. That's the deal. <laughs> no, I thought this was, this was like some attempt at revenge for me, you know, like, like sussing out that you didn't see Harley Davidson in the no, movie. No, 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 this is, <laughs> yeah. this is, hey, I watched a thing and it was good. Okay, let's talk about it a little more. <laughs> That's all okay. really. <laughs> and plus, I don't blame Brian for not watching Harley Davidson in the Marlboro Man. Not for a second. 
That's his choice. <laughs> but listen uh, to that episode, if you will, because it's it's genius. It's magic. <laughs> Good. Uh, Chris, you got any fresh shit? Uh, I do, actually. Uh, if I can coattail onto the Rick and Morty, uh, Justin Roiland also has a new show out on Hulu called Solar Opposites. Are you guys watching? This is, uh, this is ridiculous. I hate Earth. It's a horrible home. And one of these days I'm going to blow it up and just be done with the whole stupid thing. I swear to God. No, I, I read that it was like Rick and Morty, except not as good. Uh, yeah, no Dan Harmon? It's, no, it's him. It's Roiland and another guy doing it. Uh, and it definitely has the same flavor as Rick and Morty because it's Justin Roiland. I mean, that's just a given. Uh, it's much dirtier than Rick and Morty, which sometimes makes it funnier because it's on Hulu, so they can do a whole lot more. Uh, but it's also, whereas Rick and Morty's like Back to the Future meets Futurama, this is like Rick and Morty meets Invader Zim. Because uh, it's basically about a, a family of aliens that crash land on Earth, and we catch them in the first episode where they've already been here like a year, uh, and they've just sort of become this weird family on the block uh doing their thing and then the two kids are in school but they also have all this alien technology so they've taken to just shrinking whoever bothers them with the shrink ray and then they keep this like whole uh like civilization in cages in their wall it's like a habit trail in their wall and then they do all these weird subplots with all of these people trapped in this wall and it becomes just like total like lord of the flies situation it is so fucking weird man uh but it's it's quite hilarious uh so if you like rick and morty i would expect you would like solar opposites because it's just Hmm. it's just fucking weird uh but definitely it takes you like one or two episodes to kind of shake the this is way too rick and morty ish and then you kind of ease into the groove and it actually becomes its own thing it's quite fun I'm not sure what that would be like, him without Dan Harmon, because Dan Harmon always brings the anarchy, you know, the well-structured anarchy that yeah. I think is what make Rick and, makes Rick and Morty so good. These uh, aren't quite as anarchic, uh, so it's kind of interesting to, to, to watch. Uh, so far, my only real quibble is that the, the way that the scripts are structured is they do way too much the, the two main aliens do their own adventure and then the two kid aliens do their own little sub adventure and they rarely have any like connection uh Mm. so Mm -hmm. it's sort of uh a quibble uh and i'm hoping they can kind of get over it because it's you know it's a it's a fresh season new series uh (laughs) but it's funny but it's it's dirty oh my god it's dirty there's so much profanity and weird sex acts and stuff in this it's just (laughs) oh god and it's a cartoon which makes it even funnier uh so yeah if you're looking for something new and want to just kill some time, Solar Opposites, you could do worse. You could do worse. All right. Uh, nice. And then, uh, just randomly, I'd never watched it when it was on 10 years ago, but I just started watching Party Down, uh, which was like a two-season oh, yeah. thing on Showtime yeah. like 10 years ago with Adam Scott and uh, Lizzie Kaplan and Ken Marino and uh, Jane Lynch. Martin Starr. Martin Starr. It was about yeah. the catering company. I like it because it's just it's a workplace comedy, but the workplace is always different every episode, which makes me laugh as a structural device. Because <laughs> mm. it's just, it's like the characters are all the same, but the environment is totally different, and then they have to react to this. Uh, and it's it's funny. It's kind of it's way darker than I thought it was going to be because uh, it's all about basically failed actors working 
working in a catering <laughs> company to, to make a living, and they're all just like in various stages of uh, fucked upness as far as their life. But the Adam Scott character kills him because he's he's been almost to the big leagues. He got his big giant commercial, and he's known for the catchphrase from this beer commercial. Uh, and then he flamed out, and so now he's basically just boozing and taking pills and working at this catering company. <laughs> so it's they're always talking about almost making a party down movie. It's like yeah. everyone involved wants to make this thing, and it just never happens. Uh, it might be it too late be now. Yeah, satisfying at this no. point. I don't think because the part of it is that they're kind of young, now. young, and you know, trying to get established. And as the actors age, it wouldn't make as much sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although it would be funny if they did that, but they went the wet hot American summer route, and they all just basically <laughs> were older but playing their younger selves. Yeah, <laughs> and just grab it the... by the ears and say, yeah. "Yeah, what do you want?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it's it's been amusing so far, and uh, that was one I just totally missed the bus on, and so I'm glad I I finally found it. So, <laughs> yeah, party down, woo! Nice. It's it's been a slight week. All what right. You, well, what I've you got, got, Brian, I got plenty. Okay. Oh yeah. So I sent a link to this to Eric. Uh, just just calling it out. The Red Letter Media does the Plinket reviews of they they really hit like put themselves on the map with their epic takedown of Star Wars Episode One back in the day. And the Plinket review for Star Trek Picard came out. Star Trek Picard is neither Star Trek nor Picard. It's different. And it's not all good. Let me explain. It's an hour and a half of him just absolutely tearing Star Trek Picard to shreds, detail by detail. It's glorious. It's exactly how I feel about it. So, yeah. If you hated (laughs) Picard as much as I do, this is a good sort of... It, it serves a great double purpose in one telling the producers of the show why they're talentless hacks and two telling all of us who watched the show every reason we hated it including a mm-hmm. few we didn't think of <laughs> like there's a lot in there where i was like oh shit he's right that is yeah. fucked up I don't know. so why didn't they just do this why didn't they that this isn't consistent with the other show yeah, yeah. so just, yeah. so and as avowed star trek fans as you both are uh mm-hmm do you think this is going to be a stumbling block for future Star Trek projects? I think they're killing Star Picard? Trek. Yeah. Uh, I think that they're, they're barreling forward no matter what. Everything I've read about um, Star Trek Picard is that it's Patrick Stewart's fault. Um, <laughs> is that basically the show is getting made because Patrick Stewart's willing to do it, but he's only willing to do it if he has like a lot of creative control ah, and okay. he has bad ideas. Yeah. Well, like, I, it's not the individual ideas that are bad. It's it's poorly written. It's structured improperly. They don't cover holes that are just gaping wounds, and they're trying to tie it into a sort of discovery uh, uh, crossover and a crossover with all the other treks they're planning because mm-hmm. they want an MCU. See, this and sounds like mm-hmm. by the by the time they're done, though, they will have so shit on everything Star Trek that you can't come back to it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like like the Star Trek version of like if they uh, came, did a reunion thing for BJ and the Bear, but didn't include Sheriff Lobo. So you, you remember that trailer for the Chris? You remember that trailer for the for the reboot of Heather's that was just like completely not for people who liked Heather's? Yeah, that's how these new Treks feel to Trek fans. It's just like no, no, okay. all of this is wrong. 
Oh my God. How did you get anybody involved with the original? And yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's like J.J. Abrams went and ruined the Star Trek movies. And then the producers of Star Wars said, can you do some of that for us? Yeah. And so everything the Star Wars Wars people hate, the Star Trek people are hating. And the guy, Alex Kurtzman, who's making the shows, is a J.J. Abrams protege. And the whole thing is, I believe, still produced out of Bad Robot. The people who had all the ideas for the original shows got steamrolled and pushed out. Yeah. So it's, it's this bizarre money grab by Alex Kurtzman. Yeah, it's bad news. Didn't we? I, yeah. well, that wasn't even my fresh shit. I just, I just wanted to call that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, also want to have a quick conversation about um, the upcoming this week. HBO Max has found their Mandalorian in. They're going to release the Snyder cut of Justice League. Yeah, that's have you what seen we this? Ugh. Everybody's seen that news. Yeah. 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 Shit um, movie now longer. <laughs> much longer well, and almost certainly more shit and right? this is like, my problem with it is that uh it basically rewards all of the loudly toxic jackhole yes. fans in the social media sphere who yeah. just said it's like it's not gonna be any good people it's not how can it be any good it's going to be the Rise of Skywalker of Justice League. Films, oh, it's, right? yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, here you go, fanboys. Yeah. Here you go. I mean, well, I take that. Uh, I really, I really, I'm glad it's coming out because it rewards toxic fandom, but it's going to suck. And then people are going to realize that this is what happens when you reward toxic fandom. Yeah, it's a Rise of Skywalker <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just irritating. Mm. But I, yeah, the, the, I, I guess I, I wonder if you do watch the new one, right? And it ends the same way. All the same stuff happens, just with like more background information. Does that suddenly make it better for you, or you know, do you not remember the last time you watched this shit? Well, that's just <laughs> it, though. The entire third act of the movie that came out was Joss Whedon. Yeah. So, like, they're actually supposedly bringing Dark Side into the movie. Yeah. And like. Well, I don't know. Is it really the Snyder Cut if they've been given this much time to sort of rethink and tinker and reshoot or whatever? Yeah. The, I mean, it's well, going to be something else. Well, right? and, the, and the fact that uh, they're giving less studio interference, presumably for this one, because they know it's going to garner an audience. Whereas when the movie came out, it was like the, the studio and produce. I'm sure every day mm-hmm. was like a whole stack of notes. We need to do this and this and this. And then when they brought Whedon in, it was sort of like, oh, well, shit, now we've got notes from the producers, but we've also got a totally different director. Uh, So it's just weird. The studio studio interfered with uh, Zack Snyder so much that one day he just went home and said to his daughter, I'm sorry, you're going to have to kill yourself. This is the only way I'm going to get out of this. Hey, I know it's dark, but, you know, this is is entertainment news, you know? Uh, It's just astonishing. Okay, watched a couple movies. Uh, I watched American Ultra with Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. That's not bad. It's have you not, seen it? I saw it a couple years ago, but yeah, it's not yeah. amazing, but it, it was amusing when it had to be. It, yeah, it was. It's like Stoner John Wick. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, basically. Uh, Jesse I, Eisenberg is a is has been trained as a sleeper agent. He's living a shitty life, working at a convenience store, smoking a lot of weed, weed, and then one day he gets activated and starts killing people and has no idea how he knows how to do this. 
Uh, how does that 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 dour humorless girl do with comedy? That was the thing I was really worried about. I you know she's all Bella. right. She's fine. I, she yeah. doesn't have a lot of facial expressions, but I think she gets a bum rap. Yeah, I think in in American Ultra, it actually sort of fits her established persona because uh, mm-hmm. she's just she's sort of the like the hard edge girl that uh, likes to just walk around going, "What the fuck." I mean, it's that sort of thing. So it uh, works. It works. Uh, you know. Yeah. Topher Grace is in it as the bad guy. He's chewing up scenery as this sort of, you know, uh, opportunistic uh, CIA agent. Yeah. And then He's, Bill Pullman has a fun cameo in it. Um, yeah. I remember there was like a whole bit where they were trying to sneak in through the air vents and then it went awry. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. made for some good comic business, but it was all in a room that had like a bunch of black lights and shit, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, yeah that that's okay. that yeah. Okay. It, like it said, was it's a, been a fun movie. Years. It wasn't a great movie. It, it's it's fine. It's one of those things. It's you know if it's if you're streaming it and it's for free, you could yeah. do worse. It's it's sort of the spiritual sequel to Adventureland, if you will. It it yeah it does seem a little bit like hey we had fun making inv- or, or zombie land I think you mean yeah but yeah oh. so let's work yeah. together on a thing I tried to forget I did watch uh, Zombie Land Double Tap a few weeks back but that is it. awful because that's that like fucking yeah ugh that was one of the worst excuses for a big movie I've ever seen it was just there was pointless. no reason to make that at all <laughs> none zero. Uh, Anyway. It's funny because you you've kind of given me a segue to my other movie. Uh-huh. I had never seen and finally got around to watching Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Oh, good for you. Yeah. So, Shaun of the Dead. I laughed. I laughed a lot. It's it's clearly Edgar Wright finding his voice. Mm-hmm. Um. It's weird because I've seen the Cornetto trilogy out of sequence. Right, so <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, it Shaun of the Dead has so much in common with the World's End. Um, yeah, both just subject matter wise and what happens in it wise. And in a way, the World's End is sort of a remake of Shaun of the Dead, except now I'm older and I'm I want to take the piss out of my dumbass younger characters from the previous movie. Yeah. The, and also, World's End has more Sisters of Mercy references. It it that does not hurt. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I I don't know if I prefer Shaun of the Dead over World's End, but I can totally see why. If that was the first one you saw coming out the gate, that would have just knocked your socks yeah. off. Well, and yeah. that's the thing. When it came out, it was sort of at the sort of the the crest of that zombie revival because Snyder's. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead had come out, I think, around the same time, and so it was sort of spurred that whole new zombie renaissance. But Shaun of the Dead, I remember seeing it in a theater just going, this is just amazing. Because, I mean, I literally (laughs) hadn't seen anything like it. And then when the whole crux of the story (laughs) revolves around them, just, we're going to hole up at our bar. We're going to go to the Winchester and ride this thing out. It's just the dumbest, dumbest thing. And they play it to the Uh, hilt. It's it's really just a... um Yet another movie about a guy who's sort of outgrown his, you know, get high and play video games, you know, juvenile life. And he's he's trying to move beyond that, but he's got like 
the friend who doesn't want to move beyond it that's an anchor to him and you know it's sort of quit being a man child there's a million of these movies it just happens to take place during the zombie outbreak yeah you know <laughs> um, and they they have a lot of fun with it but i like the cornetto trilogy is just a thematically because like you said like Shaun of the dead is like them as sort of the kids sort of becoming young adults and then hot fuzz is basically about them learning to be adults and then mm-hmm. the world's end is about them as older adults going, "Oh, look at all these mistakes I made. I wish I could go mm-hmm. back and fix it." I mean, that's kind of the flow through. It's not really a trilogy, though. Well, I mean, no, he said it was a trilogy as a joke because they they yeah. eat cornettos in all three. Yeah, but yeah. As, but as far as like the flow through, because they pretty much made them uh, almost back to back to back, at least for Edgar Wright. Uh, so yeah, thematically, it's there. Anyway, it's fun. It's good. Uh, it's a little weird to watch during the coronavirus because, you know, they got the news report that's like, Ooh. don't go near each other. Stay yeah. away from your loved ones. You know, I, I can't believe I forgot this, Brian. I totally forgot. Uh, speaking of watching movies that probably shouldn't be watched during pandemic, uh, I, watched oh, yeah? Isle, I watched Isle of Dogs this week. Oh. The, the Wes hmm. Anderson uh, animated film. Uh, we're basically... Okay, give me the pandemic connection because I'm... I'm I loved that movie, it's, but I'm I'm missing. They had to uh, move all the dogs off the yeah, island. Yeah, all all the dogs oh, had the the snout right. fever, and so they had to right. basically put them all on the trash island. And then there's a whole thing with the the mayor of the prefecture, who's basically a corrupt yakuza, uh, gets embroiled in like a whole cover up uh, to win re-election, etc. Using that as the excuse to control the populace. A lot, a lot, a lot of. Yeah. What'd you uh, make of Isle of Dogs? Ah, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Uh, yeah. So good to look at. And definitely everybody involved watched a shit ton of Akira Kurosawa movies. And not even the samurai <laughs> ones, but like all of them. Because it's just literally every frame is just dripping with homage to Kurosawa. It was fucking amazing. Uh, but I think Wes Anderson is way more suited to animated movies like this than mm-hmm. he is to live action in my opinion because he's so detail oriented uh that sometimes yeah, he's in basically a live- making stop motion movies with humans yeah. most of the time right but in his live action stuff it kind of gets a little irritating from time to time depending on the movie uh but this one it just totally fit uh but it's just so out of whack because they do like the translations of the people in Japanese and the dogs don't understand Japanese. So they're all talking in English. <laughs> it's like everything is just slightly disjointed and it made, made uh, a lot of interesting uh, choices and I, I applaud it. So, yeah, but it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'd never watched it before. So we sat down to watch it and we're like, Oh shit, this is, <laughs> this is not a pandemic yeah. movie at all. That was like one of my top two movies the year it came out. Yeah. I love that movie. So just reminded me that. Sorry. Okay, and then finally, uh, just a word about video games. Trying to find a video game to play. You know, I mentioned I was playing Super Mario Galaxy 2, which is a, you know, 10-year-old game at this point. And so I'm like, you know, I want a big, you know, flashy, state-of-the-art, modern video game to play and um, have a bunch of PlayStation Store credit and not a lot of games on the PlayStation Store that are actually jumping up and appealing to me. This week, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey went on sale, and I, I'm like, fine, you know, I'll throw 20 bucks of my credit at it. And Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I know it's like hundreds of hours long, and I have no intention of playing a game for that long at all. 
But it's like every game. It's, okay, you start out in an idyllic seaside town, and there are cute kids who look up to you, and there's some local thug who everybody doesn't like that you start out having to deal with, and then and then it's just side quest, side quest, side quest, side quest. It, it's indistinguishable from The Witcher 3. Um, it's basically the same game, and I am i haven't even played it, but I'm sure at some point the big bad is going to come burn the town to the ground. Like, it, to it's every video game plot. And I just found it so uninspiring. I, I wanted to, to, for it to get its hooks into me, but I realized that these are, these are games that are these giant, dense environments. It's basically Skyrim. Every game is trying to be Skyrim, <laughs> right? Where it's like, you're just going to spend hundreds and hundreds of hours in this yeah. world talking to NPCs and going on fetch quests, all of which involve murdering people, right? That is the only thing your character really does. Hey, I need some wood. These guys have wood. So you go kill about a dozen dudes and then you get the wood. Yeah. You know? Boring. Uh, boring. Played, and, yeah. I have yeah. an Assassin's Creed game. I don't remember which it is, and I I think you're just just missing the the spirit of Assassin's Creed, which is it's not about any of that. It's about fighting those fucking cunt awful controls to get your person to do something. <laughs> that's that's like like I when I played it, I was like, go 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 up the building. I'm like. The 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 the, no. the controller doesn't work. Maybe I have to scream at it because I did. <laughs> they fixed that actually. Yeah. Assassin's now you can basically just hold the X button down. Your character will parkour over anything. Um, so it's all about the story, and I couldn't give two shits about this story. Yeah. Um, if, if only there was like a a real life button that you could hit, and you could just set a re reset point, and then go back to it. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. That's a reference to the Rick and Morty show. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna laugh dumbly a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, um, modern open world games not for me. I'm looking for something else, and I think that's yeah. it for the fresh shit. So last week we did a show uh, about party albums, comedy records. Um, kind of the lost art of those and at the end of the show i was like you know there's a whole lot of musical comedy records that i would love to talk about but oh man had we already hit the the time boundary on that show and i'm like let's do that for the next show so here we are <laughs> this is comedy records part two the musical one yes like mm -hmm. novel or something now uh i almost feel like this is a de facto dr demento tribute show uh so uh, I want to steer clear of Dr. Yeah. Demento because Dr. Demento will pull anything from anywhere. And I want to actually focus on acts that would put out full-on albums of musical comedy. That's kind of um, how I read it, too, because okay. Dr. Demento was also just, like, singles. And yeah. there are, like, when I think of musical comedy albums, first thing I think of is Alan Sherman. Yes, Alan yeah. Sherman's a great <clears throat> place to start. Hello, Mudda. Hello, Fada. Who's yeah. got a, a wild history. If you look at him, this guy is like uh, a lifelong fuck-up with like this couple of years of inspired Hello, genius Fada. followed by <laughs> alcoholism <laughs> and death. Well, right? that's all of us, really, right? He, he like, he like uh, what, he ran a, a quiz show or something and got fired from it 
because he he had this idea for this very expensive prank that he thought would be hilarious but wasn't and was still expensive and ended up without a job bumming around starts doing these funny songs at parties and then i guess mel brooks is at one of those parties and says oh oh you gotta do like an album and so he does and becomes the biggest thing in the country now, Alan True. Sherman, that was, what, 50s? 1950s-ish? Early uh, 60s. Early yeah. 60s. So we're going to yeah. have a bunch of stuff in the late 50s, early 60s here. Um, what, uh, other than Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, what's, a, what's an Alan Sherman song that you'd want to uh, highlight? Rat Fink. Uh, yes! One Hippopotami. Um, Hail to thee, fat person. That's a great one. I got fat as a public service. When I was a child, my mother said to me, clean the plate, because children are starving in Europe. And I might point out that that was years before the Marshall Plan was ever heard of. So I would clean the plate four, five, six times a day, because somehow I felt that that would keep the children from starving in Europe. But I was wrong. They kept starving, and I got fat. I need to go back to Rat Fink. So my, uh, my great aunt Esther, who is in her 90s now, had, had a cabin in Colorado, a full-on log cabin. And in that cabin was a Victrola. And in that Victrola was a 78 record of the song that Rat Fink is a joke on, which is called Ragmop. <laughs> and so I had actually heard Ragmop before as a little kid, played on a freaking Victrola. And then here comes Alan Sherman with his Rat Fink. Yeah. I say R-A-R-A-T. R-A-T-T. Rat. R-A-T-T-F-I-N-K Rat Fink Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> And he just starts spelling shit And you're like You're not really fully paying attention To the fact that He's yeah. not spelling Ragmop uh, Oh, my my favorite of his is uh, Icy Bones Which is, you know, like I-S-E-E Bones And it's a play on a French song That I think is C'est le bon or something And <laughs> Yeah, and so he just goes straight for the the poor translation. Uh, I see bones, I see gizzards and bones, <laughs> and a few kidney stones. It, it's <laughs> it's stupid. It's awesome. It's like dad humor music. Uh, it there's going to be a lot of puns on yeah. this show. I want to talk about um, or the first one that I can think of in terms of records and you know chronologically i'll talk about spike jones and his city slickers mm-hmm. which really i think was a live act and the records are just and there's going to be a few of those but spike jones and his city slickers are fascinating to me in that they come out straight faced like almost all of their big hits they come out and they do a full on contemporary 1940s um 19 early 1950s production of a song that everybody recognizes, and then they just shit all over it halfway <laughs> yeah. through. Yeah, what, and they just, yeah, they're yeah. literally just, you know, yeah, in one the of, microphone. One of my favorites is Cocktails for Two, because it's literally, it's Cocktails for Two, and then they start, like, throwing in horns and sirens and clackers. And, 
Uh, right. <laughs> it's so ridiculous because if you don't know Spike Jones, you're like, what is going on? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so it's anarchy. In some secluded rendezvous that overlooks the avenue with someone sharing a delight, chat, listen back, and cocktails for two. As we enjoy a cigarette <laughs> To some exquisite chansonette Two hands are sure to slyly meet Beneath a serviette With cocktails for two I love the idea that somebody could have been playing one of those records and people thought they were hearing something completely normal. Like the Spike Jones rendition of You Always Hurt the Ones You Love. You know, which they go through the whole thing totally yeah. straight and then they come back around and then they just just get stupid with it at the radio sound effects and the gunshots and the screaming. You always hurt the one you love. The one you shouldn't hurt at all. You always take the sweetest rose and crush it till the petals fall. You always break the kind stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I was never like a like big on Alan Sherman. I know Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, uh, obviously. But the when I started thinking about these, one of the first guys I gravitated to was also Tom Lehrer, uh, who yes. did oh yeah, uh, like the Masochism what, Tango. Uh, which album? Which was, uh, I don't know the albums per se. Uh, well, there's there's phases of Tom Lehrer. Yeah. But so like, like the, what uh, you're talking the, about is early Tom Lehrer, like yeah. an evening with Tom Lehrer, Masochism Tango. Yeah, the, like um, the, the the early '50s stuff, and then like the song he does about Werner von Braun, uh, <laughs> which, which uh, was used in the show Hunters, uh, <laughs> where they're hunting Nazis. Because I actually find Werner von Braun, and then the producers had sense enough to play the Tom Lehrer song over. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where they find him, I was like, wow. Gather round while I sing you of Werner von Braun, a man whose allegiance is ruled by expedience. Call him a Nazi, he won't even frown. A Nazi schmatzi, says Werner von Braun. Don't say that he's hypocritical. Say rather that he's apolitical. Once the rockets are up, who cares where they come down? That's not my department, says Werner von Braun. Uh, but, uh, like, masochism tango would always pop up on Dr. Demento, and that was always one that yeah. drew my So he ear. started out with that sort of just black humor, like poisoning pigeons in the park. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but then the 60s kicks into gear, and he starts working a show called That Was the Week That Was and doing songs about the news. And what's shocking to me is that the songs that he was doing that were just, you know, contemporaries, and some of them some of them don't hold up. Like, you know, I don't really care about his Hubert Humphrey song much. But, um, but so much of that material works and transcends the times. And it was put out as an album. That was the year that was. And that is just a... a dynamite comedy album makes me think actually topical topical comedy is okay if it, it, it's like if it relies on the reference it's probably not funny but if it's still funny years later when you have no idea who they're talking about that's that's genius well like um 
the one I was going to call out, because I'm, I'm trying to think of songs to call out for the show that maybe aren't the first one you'd think of. And the one I wanted to call out for Tom Lehrer, well, two of them were both about nuclear proliferation and nuclear war. There was Who's Next, which is the, the song about, you know, proliferation and everybody getting the bomb. Egypt's gonna get one too, just to use on you know who. So Israel's getting tense, wants one in self-defense. The Lord's our shepherd, says the psalm, but just in case, we better get a bomb. <laughs> Who's the next? But then at the end of the, of the performance, he's singing, We will all go together when we go which is about just how <laughs> the entire human race is going to die. And he's just got a million different clever ways of saying, yep, we're all going to die. And you know? we will all bake together when we bake. There'll be nobody present at the wake. With complete participation in that grand incineration, nearly three billion hunks of well-done steak. Oh, we will all char together when we char. And <laughs> let there be no moaning of the bar. Well, yeah. Just I like that he, he just uses the piano uh, to do these sort of bouncy tunes, <laughs> but they're all so just ridiculously dark. Yeah. It's, it's like does. Steve Martin with his banjo going, death and hatred and mutilation and destruction. Yeah, basically. So... So those are some early numerators, but also we can't talk about that era without also mentioning Stan Freeberg, right? I'm not I'm not as up to speed on Stan Freeberg as I should be. Same I know here. I heard a lot of his stuff on Demento, but I uh, name some stuff I might recognize on Stan. Uh, it's mostly conceptual. Uh, like his first one was uh, it was called Saint Georgian, or was it Saint George and the Dragonette? And it was like a four minute riff on Dragonette. This is the countryside. My name is St. George. I'm a knight. Saturday, July 10th, 8.05 p.m. I was working out of the castle on the night watch when a call came in from the chief. A dragon had been devouring maidens. Homicide. My job. Slay him. You call me, chief? Yeah, it's the dragon again. Devouring maidens. The king's daughter may be next. Mm -hmm. You got a lead? Uh, nothing much to go on. Say, did you take that 45 automatic into the lab to have him check on it? Yeah. You were right. I was right? Yeah. It was a gun. But he did it like oh, St. George yeah. hunting the yeah. dragon, uh, which is amusing. And he used uh, Dawes Butler a lot, one of the Hanna-Barbera voice actors. He did like uh, yep. Elroy yep. Jetson and such. And so you get a lot of that. Uh, so he was the Christmas dragnet also. They, they, revised, yeah. they revisited that for the Christmas dragnet. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then he would intersperse it with, with songs and such. But one of my favorite bits of his was the Banana Boat song, Deo. Mm -hmm. uh, and he starts it just, just like anybody else would, like Spike Jones maybe, where it's, it's the Banana Boat song. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. And then when they get to the day, it's a day. The, like the bongo player has to stop him. He's like a, a beatnik. He's like, yo, man, you're way too loud, man. You're way too loud. And then the whole thing devolves into every time he goes to sing Deo, he's, you hear the footsteps run out, you hear the door shut, and then they're muted, muted in the background. <laughs> and then he comes back in, and it's literally the entire song is done like that, and it just kills me every time I hear it because it's so conceptual. <laughs> too loud, man. Okay. 
too loud, man. I can still hear you. Would you mind leaving the room? Okay. Crazy. Daylight come and we wander home. It's like, how did he, how did they pull this off? It's just so ridiculous. So yeah. But uh, I guess Stan Freeberg is one of the big Weird Al influences. Uh, and so it, it pops up uh, every now and then. Uh, but I feel like you can't mention the, the era without putting his name in the hat too. I mean, we could do a whole show on Weird Al. Weird Al is awesome. Um, there's a whole yeah. world to explore. And everybody, yeah, yeah it, you're right. He's kind of like Jupiter. He's the hugest fucking thing in the in the solar system. Yeah, you kind of have to spend some time with everything else. Yeah, true, I'd say let's true let's, let's come back to Al some other some other time or as we have to. But there's so much else yeah, to talk he gets about. A, like, his own show. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, I uh, I was I thought I was going to bring up until I, I was listening to it and I realized that half of the albums are just comedy bits and not musical bits. I was going to try to talk about the Smothers Brothers on this one. Yeah. They're always um, like musical bits that get interrupted, aren't they? I mean, yeah. They are kind of not musical act, but so 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 what are you doing trying to say about these bars? <laughs> well, plus if yeah. if you're just going to do straight nothing but music records that are comedy, uh, I'm not going to have a whole lot to talk about because most of the stuff I'm familiar with is like the Smothered Brothers, where they do their act, but then they also bring a heavy dose of music into it. So, Smothers Brothers, again, was kind of one of... A lot of these are things that were popular in one medium, like mm, Spike Jones was a stage show, Tom Lehrer was on TV or live performances, and then these were albums that captured those performances. Smothers Brothers were also doing live performances and having it recorded, and then they had a, a variety show, uh, which yeah. I... I guess there was a big anti-Vietnam uh, fulcrum. Yeah. And right. the catchphrase was, Mom always did like you best. That yep. was their deal. So, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's more of a boomer show. Full on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My dad loves that. He go, he's always quoting it. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, Dad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Eric, what else was on your mind? Uh... Yeah, I mean that's that is that is rough trying to think of like strictly music things, um, because I only had like those couple I mentioned. Okay, uh, well I I can fill in the gaps. Don't worry. <laughs> oh yay! Yeah. Okay. Brian Brian actually let's, did his research. Let's talk about Spinal Tap for a minute, shall we? All right. Spinal Tap, mostly known as the 1981 movie directed by Rob Reiner, where they made a fake documentary about. Um, heavy metal band Spinal Tap, uh, they did do their own soundtrack. Mm -hmm. uh, they did record all the songs. They did write all the songs, including the ones from Spinal Tap's you know, early days, like Listen to What the Flower People Say. <laughs> I always like Give Me Some Money. That yeah. was one of my favorite yeah, things. Give me some yeah. money. Your face yeah. okay. <laughs> but your purse is too tight. Give me some money. A 
11 years later, Spinal Tap just releases an album and goes on tour. And they released in 1992, Break Like the Wind. Um, <laughs> which at the time I was like, eh, I can't be bothered. But Break Like the Wind is actually <laughs> genius. Yeah. Have you checked it out at all? Not I really. actually have, I, I got the CD single or whatever their single was at the time. I can't even remember school, what it probably. was anymore. Yeah. That was the one they made the 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 video for. Um and they did the the album cover for the CD single anyway that they describe in the movie of a girl on her hands and knees and a leash right but it's being held by like a, a glove or it was smell yes. the glove <laughs> smell the glove yeah smell the glove yeah but the song is about obedience training for your dog right yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no the the actual title track break like the wind is like this full on prog rock song <laughs> where he just happens to say he breaks like the wind and I think that's so <laughs> emblematic of Spinal Tap is they put all of the effort into it that you would put into a real metal album and then you do something just dumb and the joke is that you had no idea that you'd just done something dumb you thought you were being all deep and, and you know metal and shit and no you're a moron yeah um, well, yeah, Big Big Bottom is probably the, the best <laughs> example yes. of, of that sort of thing. Uh, a double entendre, but they don't even realize that it's a Yeah, when I think of Spinal Tap, though, I, I always think of the Druids. No one knows who they were or what they were doing, but their legacy. What? It's a replica of Stonehenge in danger of being crushed by a fucking dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Are yeah. we going to record it in dub Lake? Yeah. It's a classic so, yeah. for a reason. But yeah, yeah, it's Spinal Tap. It's so funny that, that they do it because they all are accomplished musicians. Uh, so they acquit themselves admirably. Uh but then they commit fully to the characters. That's what's so. But it's just <laughs> Christopher Guest and Harry Shearer and Michael, Michael McKean, McKean. You know, yeah, Lenny Squigbon. Yeah, uh, people who are voice actors on The Simpsons. You know, it's <laughs> at this point is what they've probably works. been doing the most. <laughs> it works. It works. Um. So yeah, definitely uh, got some respect for that. Mad respect. What about Pops. Chris? You got others you wanted to call out? Uh. I'm not sure if he's full on music or if he does stand up with it, but one of the big ones that always stuck with me back in the day was Tim Cavanaugh, uh, who's known mm. for I Want to mm-hmm. Kiss Her Butt. I want to kiss her butt. She won't let me. I want to whisper sweet nothings in her ear. I want to hold her behind. Doors and more. I want to kiss her, but she won't let me. <laughs> uh, which is a nice country dirge. Speaking of double entendres. Uh, and then 99 Dead Baboons was his other big 
big giant one. But the one that always got me was ABC's of Dead Russian Leaders. Yep. Because yeah. it's just so <laughs> catchy. And I can still sing it to this day. It just kills me. Yeah, I, I, I now know the uh, the right names of the Dead, Dead Russian, Russian Leaders. Leaders. Thanks, yeah. Kavanaugh. When you hear the letter A and drop off is the name to say. The letter B is next in line. Fresh next dead, so he'll do just fine. Yeah, so thanks, man. <laughs> uh, but that was always one that uh, I got a lot of mileage out of back in the day. Uh, but I don't know if he does full-on comedy song albums or, or what his deal is. Yeah, I don't know either because I just picked him up from Dr. Demento. Yeah, yeah basically. Same here. Uh, so, you know. But, you know, it reminds me of another one I discovered from Dr. Demento, Tom T-Bone Stankus. Yes. With the existential blues, (laughs) which was great when I was in fourth grade. And then like a year or two ago, I went, I want to hear that again. And I looked it up on YouTube. And poor Tom T-Bone Stankus' entire career apparently appears to be that one song because there's several different videos of him performing it around. It's like, yeah, lightning's not going to strike multiple times unless you write something else. You ask so many questions, what answers should I choose? Is this schizoid paranoia or just existential blues? The amenities of life have been chasing my soul, and my mind is transcendental, and I'm losing all control, and I'm sinking in the quagmire of illusions and Thoreau. I cry out, my name is T-Bone, as a hound dog digs a hole. You ask so many questions, what answer should I choose? Is this Plato's heebie-jeebies, or just existential blues? But he also does that fun cover of Purple Rain. Yeah, the country Uh, Purple Rain. (laughs) Which I know you love, Eric. Uh, purple rain, purple, purple rain. rain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did look up, by the way, on your on your recommendation, Brian. The um, uh, 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 what was it? The the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance of uh, "Still My Guitar, Mama Gently, Guitar Weeps, Gently Weeps." Yeah, with Tom Petty and Prince. And you're right, Prince f- fucking blows everyone else off the stage yeah and you like, can see all of them looking at him like fuck dude that's prince <laughs> and and he's not even like he's not even lit at the beginning he's literally off on the wings hiding yeah. in the shadows while he lets all these other people have the spotlight because he knows he's just going to go in there and like destroy them all <laughs> <laughs> it's just beautiful anyway yeah uh... um i got i got two more more modern ones i want to call out and then i'm out of, one of i'm out of gas is, is one of them lonely island yes okay good good yeah so lonely island let's do it Go i think it. they're hilarious i think yes. they and and the thing is i think their music is actually really good now they're, they're mostly known for the stuff that gets promoted to snl digital shorts with andy sandberg right like i'm on a boat and uh dick in a box and shit like that but the other two guys are also quite hilarious. Um, 
Like I love the one where they where they're just two nerdy white guys rapping, and the song is called "Will Kill You." AK, Uzi, nines and Glocks, one pierced ear and ankle socks. If you see us on the street, you can bet we're high. We wear sunglasses for bloodshot eyes. Each jerk we kill, our hearts grow colder. I can shoot all day; doesn't hurt my shoulder. I drive all the time; it's no big deal. Open the door and get behind the wheel. I only hang with felons, killers, and thugs. You're still a cunt, Steve. Go fuck your snake. You must be loco to mess with us. Don't you know we're dangerous? We'll kill you. We'll kill you. And it's it's just a straight up gangster rap, except done in like the least convincing way possible. <laughs> that was that was originally a uh, a Channel ninety nine short they did. It's like Channel ninety nine was it was like this weekly festival of people in LA who would make funny shorts and uh that that going back to Dan Harmon he started and yeah that 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 actually was one of their first ones on ni- channel 99 that led to them doing more of those shorts that led to Saturday night live yeah like the first one i ever heard was lazy sunday uh, sure and that one really got me because the chorus is just it's tight it's the chronic yeah. what calls it Nadia the chronic what calls it Nadia <laughs> and that really sets the tone the one that cracked me up is, is one called Diaper Money so again that one is the a, best a hip hop yeah. song about being a grown ass man I got that grave plot I got that wife pussy I got that I'm a grown ass man yeah I think I used that for the intro on the uh, death show because he has that hilarious thing about I got my grave plot. I got that grave plot. I got that grave plot. I got that grave plot. It's right off the highway. So they they get to go places Weird Al can't, right? They can be far more like filthy and raunchy because they're not trying to appeal to kids. They're just they're just going for it. And yeah, yeah. If you if you only hear one. Of their songs, like that isn't a digital short. Go listen to uh, Carlos Santana DVX Champagne. It is the bomb. That is all. That is. The, it is just fucking awesome. Uh, it is a great song. It is fun to listen to, and it's funny. I don't know that one. I have to check it out. From the heart of Napa Valley and the Guitar King comes the sparkling wine to make a blind man sing. Yo, it's the champagne from the man with the bandana. I can't stand a flute with anything but Santana. The first name in jam is Carlos, and to that man I propose a toast. In the '60s he had lots of freebie sex, but now he's getting down with the DVX. Excuse me, fellas. Might I understand that Carlos Santana has made a champagne? That's right, motherfucker. Here, try it. I just yeah, heard a drop out. of it, though, so now I know it. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a, that was a good one. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> yeah, sure, right? You're still tapping your toes. Yes? Toe really tapping? Am. Yes. The yes. only other one um, that I wanted to call out, and I don't know. This, one, this one's the sort of you either like it or you don't. Um, but I got to give some respect to Bo Burnham. Um, you familiar with his work at all? Yeah. No. See, Eric doesn't yeah. like him, so he knows him. He's not. like, I'm not down. <laughs> um, Bo Burnham started out as like a YouTuber doing songs in his bedroom. Um, and he's he's rapid fire puns. He's basically doing stand up to music. And I said, let's rob an Asian kitchen or stroll down the block. Either way, girl, we're taking a walk. <laughs> 
You're gonna love me the way my uncle did Except you're not gonna go to court for doing it Be a guillotine on my girl instead Either way I said you're giving me head I'm gonna love you baby the right way Shorty with a body looking hottie when he, I say He definitely says offensive stuff and then is self-critical So it's like it's hard to say if he's saying what he really thinks And then criticizing himself or if the self-criticism isn't sincere, or if the offensive things are insincere, it's, it's hard to tell. But what he has done is he's turned his entire act into a multimedia production. So he's got a stand-up set uh, that is synced to a light and video and audio track, and he's managed to, to kind of swing in and out of songs. And like I said, you may or may not like his comedy, but I got to respect his, his uh, work. I think it's fun. Entertainers like to seem complicated, but we're not complicated. I can explain it pretty easily. Have you ever been to a birthday party for children and one of the children won't stop screaming because he's just a little attention attractor. When he grows up to be a comic or actor, he'll be rewarded for never maturing, for never understanding or learning that every day can't be about him. There's other people, you selfish asshole. Must be psychotic. I must be intriguing. To think that I'm worthy. I think I think I just don't like his uh, schlocky setups. It's like I can I can see where he's going, and I'm just like, oh come on. <laughs> Try surprising me once I, in a while. Yeah. I don't know how you're not surprised by the rapid fire wordplay and puns in some of those songs. He he gets intricate. With his the songs, puns. no, his songs are are you know well done. It's it's the idea of doing stand-up that's not stand-up that, that makes me kind of roll my eyes. Ah, okay. Okay. So, that's all yeah. I had. I think well, that's all you guys had. <laughs> well, I'm just, I, I'm glad we didn't have to talk about Ray Stevens. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, let's you're just... You're right, we don't have just, to talk about Ray Stevens. Yeah, Next? Let's just, let's just roll over that. Uh, but another one... Uh, they're mostly known for their giant single, uh, but Ogden Edsel is a band that's been around, had been around since like the 70s, like 1970, but their big one was Dead Puppies, which always got airplay on Dr. Demento. <laughs> uh, and it was always one of my all-time favorites, because it's just so awful uh, at the same time. Yeah, it was like an introduction to darkness for children. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It, yeah, it was kind of a partner piece to Barnes and Barnes's Fish Heads in that which it talks I, about what I, things don't do when they're yeah, dead. But I but don't like Fish Heads at all. No, but that's the not, dead that's puppies, they aren't much fun. No. Um, <laughs> but every time. I think that was one of the ones that really sort of solidified my, my sensibility. Uh, for so I'm going to do everything I can to close the show out with dead puppies aren't much fun playing in the background. <laughs> as we go to the big crescendo at the end so okay. uh, yeah please uh, subscribe to the show uh, rate us on your podcast app of choice and uh, tell all your friends go to our website we are maghuge.com you can find uh, old episodes of the show there and uh, reach out to us uh, you can hit us up on twitter where we're at maghuge on facebook we're the magnificent huge podcast we're on instagram I still don't know what our handle on instagram is so I always blow past that um, or you can Not email. Like we maintained it, I guess. I don't know. Do yeah, we do <laughs> weekly. Oh, oh yeah. You guys have no idea us. how our social media. This is our works. social media guy. 
Yeah, which is why we don't get any listeners. Yeah, yeah. and and you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com and social media, not much fun. Okay. And remember to stay magnificently huge unless it lasts longer than four hours, in which case, be a doctor, you have priapism. <laughs>